direction that football group is doing. Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So, Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like the ball, I like the ball season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzola here with Sam Monson. Sam, we're talking all things offseason. There's no, there's no game to preview this sure. week. So we're going to get into something all 32 teams, fans of all 32 teams, can get behind. It is team needs. We'll go through all of them. But first, don't forget, all first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight to put at least $20 into their account while using the promo code PFF. We'll receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription, $40 of value for just that 20 bucks. You get the opportunity to turn 20 into even more money using or playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the country. It's Monkey Knife Fight. So go to Monkey Knife Fight, deposit your 20 bucks, use the promo code PFF today, and receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. It is NFL Draft Guide season, Sam, and it is better than ever. 477 pages of goodness you can Use that monkey knife fight deal, or you could also use Super Bowl 25, Super Bowl 25 for all PFF products. This is where you would go get your uh, PFF Elite if you want all the grades and everything as we head toward free agency. So we'll talk more about that as we go. Super Bowl 25, Super Bowl 25, 25% off any subscription. All right. We've got a big show here today. Mm -hmm. We have off-season team needs. We're going to go through all 32 teams. Rapid fire. All 32 today? Uh, we'll see how far we get. To be honest, maybe it's a two-part show. This could just be the AFC. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to sell too yeah, much here. Yeah. We'll see how long-winded you are. But we also have a very special guest on the show. It is the world-renowned pitching slash football throwing coach Tom House, my old pitching coach Sam. That's why he's on the show. Is it? All right. It's Tom Brady's coach and Drew Brees' coach and a guy who works with all the. All the greats used to used to teach Nolan Ryan, coach Nolan Ryan, uh -huh. and uh, and how much experience did you have with him? An hour. Okay, okay. I worked with Tom House. This uh, is Tom House. It's going to be on the show today. I worked with him for an hour. An hour, huh? Now I don't know if he remembers. <laughs> it was fifteen years ago, like this okay. month. Fifteen years ago. You you've kept that memory. You've been tracking the. It days. was two thousand six. I had just been signed by the Milwaukee Brewers, and then uh, a couple weeks later. I drove five and a half hours to meet Tom, work with him for an hour, and drive back. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that was it. That was my – Did it help? We'll talk about it later maybe. We'll see if Tom uh, – there's no way he remembers me. But uh, I wouldn't have thought so, no. But, yeah, it's Tom Brady's coach, so it's pretty cool. So we're going to talk to Tom House about throwing and working with some of the best football quarterbacks of all time. Sound good? Yeah. I mean, the way most people remember you is just from a height thing, but you're not that freakish when it comes to your baseball. He like, might. A if lot people want to get into dorky mechanics stuff, I could talk about I mean, there was some good stuff. I was, a, I was a follower of Tom's work, and I liked you know, a lot of the stuff that he taught. And, uh, yeah, there was some good stuff that came out. I mean, if he remembers you, it would be great because we can figure out why you never made it. 
We can ask him that. Maybe because I didn't completely listen to everything he told me. <laughs> that could have been it. But, uh, yeah, so he'll be on the show later. All right, you ready to go? Let's yeah. see how far we get through these team needs. Maybe we'll roll it into Monday because, you know, it's offseason. We've got it a lot is. to talk about here. So you wrote this, pff.com, offseason needs for all 32 teams. Keep this handy. Good reference item for you this entire offseason. We'll go alphabetical order, or do you want to just go? Let's well, go. We're going to struggle to go by conference because it's written in alphabetical order, which means we'll have to do it on no, the fly. For, and that's, that's for just... podcast naming purposes we're gonna to have to go by conference so let's go nfc first i don't think we're capable of doing that well, on the know, fly. you just you scroll down and if there's an a nfc team you talk about them if there's an so afc you, team you, so you want to go alphabetical by conference correct wow and then we'll have uh holden's gonna be keeping tabs we'll have this is a, this is an episode for the timestamps they will yes. never never we'll have, have timestamps going you guys can click your team but you just you want to hear us ramble about stuff the entire time so let's do it arizona cardinals they're first up in our nfc mm -hmm. offseason mm -hmm. preview you have listed the uh, as their top needs wide receiver tight end and interior defensive line discuss well firstly i would like to qualify that these are not 100 percent my uh team needs these are the team needs that pff has on our free agent tracker on our free agent page that you find on pff.com ah. list of all the free agents little write-up on them some team needs all you need for free agency these are the official party line team needs so on occasions, there are team fan bases that think, I got it dramatically wrong. I'm just the messenger here. I'm just taking the team needs, telling you hmm. why that is a need, and moving on. Please take all complaints to at PFF underscore Sam on Twitter. No, no, no. Um, PFF underscore, is it Austin or Gale or whatever he goes by? It's Austin's fault, basically. All right. Well, He's the content blame guy. Austin. So I'm, just the, have... I'm just the messenger. Cannot, you can't shoot the messenger. It's part now of that you've hedged Palazzolo yeah. style. Uh-huh. Tell me about the uh, what we're looking at with the card. Wide receiver is an interesting one. They have DeAndre Hopkins, but having that true but like nobody else. Two, yeah. yeah, like and and you know, in most offenses, having a number two is a pretty important thing. We've been talking for years about how Green Bay's Achilles' heel is there's nobody beyond Devonte Adams, and if they get that guy, they are a different offense. The Cardinals are in the same spot, except if anything, it's a bigger, more acute problem. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is a great addition, but uh, the play of Kyler Murray hit a wall last year, plateaued. It didn't get better. It didn't take this giant step forward that everybody expected it to. And the improvements that came were on the ground. It was by him as a rusher, not him as a passer. Um, secondly, Cliff Kingsbury, offensive mastermind, air raid technician, like his, his MO, his special sauce is supposed to be the passing game. And right now that isn't in great shape in Arizona. The best things that they do on offense are on the, are in the run game. Um, yeah. So, and, and because of the way the season went for them, it started off pretty good. Expectations got raised, and then they kind of tanked down the stretch. And they roll into this offseason as a disappointment. So now you've got Kyla Murray, your one sort of giant asset, um, the most important player on your team, hit a wall. The coach seemed to hit a wall, and the team hit a wall. All of those things, I think, get helped with a second receiver. Yeah, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins had 154 targets. Uh, Larry Fitz, the other top receivers, you have Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. Nobody Fitzgerald. else within half. Yes. And Fitzgerald technically is a free agent. We'll see yep. what happens with him. Um, but having, you know, Kirk was a pretty good deep threat. And Andy Isabella was a good change of pace player. Maybe not as good as we thought he could be coming out. Poor man, Scotty Miller. Poor man, Scotty Miller. Yeah. I mean, he'd be Scotty. If, if he had Tommy throwing him the ball, he'd be Scotty. He'd Would have he? that deep ball at the end of the half per game. Woody. Maybe. 
Um, but yes, having another guy there would be great. We also put tight end, which is interesting for this offense. They have used the tight end. It isn't just all four wide, left and right. They've had, but it's been Dan Arnold and Max Williams over there the last couple of years. I think either a receiver or a tight end would be great. It's kind of like my Aaron Rodgers analysis a couple of years ago where he didn't throw well or often to the middle of the field for whatever reason. So I really wanted the Packers to get Justin Jefferson, not because I thought he'd be the best rookie receiver of all time last year, but I thought he'd work the middle of the field really well um, and almost help Rodgers and make Rodgers throw to the middle of the field. That's the type of player, whether it is a big tight end, a Hunter Henry type or uh, whoever it might be, work in the middle of the field to to – open up that part of the field for Kyler Murray where he struggled a little You know what bit. I would love to see? I would love to see Max Williams get more than like 10 targets a year. Yes. Why I does agree. that guy not get featured more? I don't know, man. He, he's, he's got good body control. He is, he's a good receiver. He's a good blocker. Um, he got 45 targets year one in Baltimore and has basically had that again since. And well, year one was 2015. It's not like Baltimore wasn't trying to use tight ends. So what, what would have happened there? You know, that that is a little alarming. Why did they move on from Max? Because he had like nine other tight ends, and he got no, I, injured a lot. Yeah, like, why, I mean, I understand he, he had injured. this extensive injury history, and then they moved on from him, and then he went to Arizona, and from there on, he became a blocking tight end only. But Nick Boyle was like outplaying him and playing, you know, playing him, playing more often. Yeah, but I think at the point where you've got like nine tight ends, and one of them has a fairly extensive injury history, I don't think you can really legislate for like the the the, the depth chart that then unfolds. But when you go to Arizona. You don't have anybody preventing you from playing, and for some reason you become the blocking tight end, even though you're physically well capable of being a receiver and actually quite good at it. All right, the other place you put here, interior defensive line, I would extend that out to all defensive line or edged. Chandler Jones. The front um, seven. <laughs> yeah, the front seven. Well, the linebackers, I think, have some potential, depending on where you slot. Isaiah Simmons, they're not too bad. But I would say with Chandler Jones injured last year, Hassan Reddick did step up Reddick hits free agency Chandler Jones is getting a bit older I think replacing edge defenders would be great but on the interior you're talking Zach Allen Domato Pecco like Fotu. I mean it's not the the biggest names that Arizona has on the interior or had this year so a playmaker there I think would would definitely help defensively mm -hmm. that's it nothing I got nothing that. to add to that no you you summed it up well oh great smooth well done. Let's move on to the next football team. The Atlanta Falcons. Man, cornerback for like the eighth straight year here. Yeah, and it's not even an indictment of A.J. Terrell, who I think actually played pretty well as a rookie. Um, it's weird because you, all, you have to like grade all the rookie cornerbacks on a curve. Almost all of them were terrible. And the question just is how terrible. And Except for Legereus Sneed. Yeah, and even Sneed's grade, you know, tailed off towards yeah. the end. Like nobody was good, basically, as a rookie cornerback, league-wide. And defense generally this season just got lit on fire by record-setting offensive performances. So A.J. Terrell played, you know, averagely overall, and that in the general scale of rookie cornerbacks is outstanding. So let's assume that A.J. Terrell is actually going to work out well and be a, a, a top-end starter or a decent starter for them. Let's. They still need another one. Like, they don't have cornerbacks outside of A.J. Terrell and A.J. Terrell wasn't exactly phenomenal so going back to the well for a second year in a row I don't think is crazy even just just because you did it a year ago and then you know the same thing is true on the back end like safety is not exactly a strength either yeah you have well Keanu Neal's a free agent Darquez Denard a free agent and then the guys that they even have under contract next year Kendall Sheffield Isaiah Oliver is heading into the last year of his deal I mean we're talking both short and long term 
cornerback is absolutely a need. And, and also if, remember, they've changed coaching staffs. So this is, you know, whatever, even if you had drafted five times in one position, you know, previously, if they all fit a scheme that you don't run anymore, I mean, you can question with the validity or the wisdom of changing to a scheme where none of your players suited. But, like, if that's what you're doing, you could easily have to revamp an entire position group, even if you had attacked it heavily in the last few years. So you have everything on the defense. Well, we have everything on the defensive side go. of the ball here. Cornerback, safety, edge defender. Edge is like the spot that they've been trying to attack for years. Vic Beasley in the first round and Tack McKinley in the first round. Uh, at least they got Grady Jarrett in the fifth round a few years ago to shore up in the interior. But uh, last year they took a shot on Dante Fowler. Buyer beware, guys. He had 15 PFF sacks in 2019 while playing with Aaron Donald, not matching his PFF pass rush grade last year. Obviously, that regressed quite a bit. So overpaying for Dante Fowler was a mistake. They took a shot on former first-rounder Charles Harris to bring him in. But they've been stitching it together after missing on those first-round edges a couple years ago. So it's still a, a big need for the Falcons. Yeah, repeatedly swinging and missing a lot on edge rusher, um, which that's always tricky. Sometimes, you know, if you do that a lot in the draft, you've, you finally bite the bullet and either go to free agency or trade and try and just secure a guaranteed thing. The Vikings did that. Remember the Jared Allen trade? Like they'd swung at multiple first-round edge rushers and all of them had been terrible. Um, and then they just went, you know what, screw it. Let's trade a couple of first-round picks for a guy that's like one of the best edge rushers in the NFL and just be done with it and right. be o over. Um, maybe that's what the Falcons can do. Like just go, you know what, screw it. It's just make a big move and finally answer that problem. The other part of this and the reason why corner and safety is, is so crucial for the Falcons, you're in the division with the Bucs who have, you know, they're in the Super Bowl with all those receivers who are tough to cover. We'll see what the Saints look like next year, but by all accounts with Sean Payton there, they should have a pretty good passing attack. So in, in the Panthers, uh, who we'll talk about right now, have a couple good receivers in DJ Moore, in Robbie Anderson, and one of their needs that we listed was tight end. You add tight end to the mix with the Panthers, as we talked about on the last episode. Go listen to the championship game review slash mock draft because I gave the Panthers Kyle Pitts at number eight overall. Love. Yes, I think that fits them really well. So the Panthers, who spent every defensive pick in the draft last year, are on the defensive side of the ball. We have linebacker, edge, and tight end as their top needs. Yeah, um, and again, it's not to say that what you did a year ago was bad. Like this team needed a complete overhaul from top to bottom so there's still work to do um Shaq Thompson was sort of stepping up this year Luke Keekley obviously retires <clears throat> somebody's got to replace him or at least replace the sort of talismanic role within the defense even if you're not you know moving the middle linebacker or whatever Thompson did not step up and if anything went in the other direction with more expected of him so you need you need something at linebacker I know you know Jeremy Chin has been playing everything yeah I love a sort of linebacker style role where he takes up some of that slack but you know Shaq Thompson did not play well last year they haven't replaced what Keekley brings in the middle of the field um so they I think need to swing at that spot and you know edge is not a terrible spot they got Brian Burns with a, a good breakout season this year it was really impressive but you can never have too many pass rushers yeah well edge number two and again you expect some sort of development you gross matos uh who was a better run defender in college than pass rusher anyway had only 20 pressures burns had 57 almost three times as many pressures as edge number two on the panthers so yes having that second guy 
um, because this year it was Gross Matos, it was Marquise Haynes, Stephen Weatherly. I mean, those are the types of guys that they were putting out there opposite Burns or with Burns. So yeah, pass rush certainly still needs some help in Carolina. And I like, and I think your point, I, you're not always chasing the next Luke Keekley, but I think the value of that awesome three down linebacker that Keekley, you know, what Keekley brought to the table, oh, man, it was, it, it's tough to find, man. And it, it, there is a ton of value in those types of players. Yeah, and look, when I say you need to replace a Luke Keekley, I don't mean that you need to do what the 49ers did for like a de half a decade and go from Patrick Willis to Navarro Bowman to Chris Borland, like sequentially stud linebacker one after the other. That's incredibly difficult to do, an extremely small um, landing to have to stick. But you can't go from like, you know, a stud, all pro, arguably best in the league at his position to a mess, right? right. You, have to, you have to get somewhere in the middle. And right now, what they have replacing Luke Keekley is a mess because Shaq Thompson had a, a career low in terms of um, performance last season. So they need to figure out something. They need an upgrade there, even if it isn't getting back to Luke Keekley levels. They made strides at corner too, but you know, I think all offseason we're going to say every team needs corner. Yeah. You're still looking at Rasul Douglas and Corn Elder and Dante Jackson out there, and Jackson's heading into the last year of his deal. You got to continue to replenish at cornerback as well, but. Uh, there are other needs for the Panthers. There's genuinely only like a couple of teams in the NFL for whom you would say they do not. Chasing a corner would be a bad move for them. Like, <laughs> That's true. Literally 30 of 32 teams adding a good corner would, would be a good thing. All right, let's go to the Chicago Bears. Working our way through the NFC top team needs here. Bears, we're going QB. Now, when I used to do team needs, I just put QB as like a, I know. a separate yeah. world. It's either yes or no. You need a quarterback or you don't. I didn't use one of the top three mm -hmm. on quarterbacks. Should have followed my example. No, I don't Sam. like, no. QB, offensive line, and wide receiver. Looks like it's all on the offensive side of the ball for the Bears. Yeah. I mean, I think their defense is in pretty good shape. Um, more to the point, I think their biggest holes are just on offense. Obviously, quarterback is the issue, the biggest issue. Trubisky, Foles, their best scenario is that neither one of those guys is playing snaps in 2021. So find an alternative, whether it's one of the available quarterbacks by trade, free agency, the draft, whatever you need to do. Trubisky or Foles cannot be your starter. Let's discuss the quarterback situation for a minute here with the Bears. We've got Ryan Pace. You have Matt Nagy. Both guys. This is your big move. This is, I, I believe they're going to try to make a, yes, a big move. <laughs> it, just reading the tea leaves, Sam. I, the, mm. the, the, way the, the way the press conference went, this whole thing, you know, the roster's good. We just didn't get the quarterback situation right. Yeah. And they're feeling the pressure. They have to get the quarterback situation right. So if you know you have to get it right in 2021 and you have a middle of the first round type of pick or, uh, you know, actually, no, middle of the first round, are you going to draft a Mac Jones, a Kyle Trask, or you're certainly not going to draft a Trey Lance and wait for him for two or three years. So I don't see the Bears drafting a quarterback and saying, well, we got it solved here in 2021. And you certainly can't get the eighth best quarterback on the market like they did last year with Nick Foles or whatever he was as far as available quarterbacks. They have to make a move. You know, so this has to be uh, a Stafford. I know he's in the division. It has to be a Jared Goff. It has to be a Derek Carr. You know, call the Raiders and see, are they, are they ready to move on from Derek Carr? Are they trying to reinvent things over there? Um, that's what has to happen in Chicago this year, right? Yes. Yeah, I agree with you, at least insofar as they're not taking a project for <clears throat> a project first round quarterback that 
is going to take a couple of years to pan out and see if they've upgraded or not. They need a 2021 starter. They need an immediate and clear, obvious upgrade over what is, to be fair, a pretty low bar to clear. So I'm not sure I love your concept of Derek Carr being the answer to that, but I agree that they've got to try something that gets them an obvious upgrade. So Derek Carr was a borderline, he was top 10 quarterback for us. So who who wouldn't be, you want somebody better than Derek Carr? Yes. Who, Who are you getting that's better than Derek Carr? Almost every other quarterback that's available. Are you crazy? Stafford, Watson. Watson's asked for his trade now. Stafford is available. Stafford's better than Carr? Yeah. And I don't even love Stafford. I think they're the same guy. Think this? Come on. What are you talking about? They're very close to the same guy. They're not even in the ballpark of being the same guy. I wrote the whole article that induced Carr to throw the ball down the field, more like <laughs> Matthew Stafford last year, and the results were as expected. He played much better. Didn't result in wins because the Raiders can't play defense, but yeah. they're very much the same guy. They're not even Good arm close. talent, can throw the ball down the field. No. A couple games a year, they're going to look great. Stop it. If anything, Stafford's like a tick better. Stafford's QB 10 to 15 it, during his era. I mean, Carr is 10 to 15 in his era. Maybe better because everybody's retiring. I, I didn't Very similar guy. No. I, I, I'm, I'm lost for words. I don't know. What do you where, mean? Where I'm not saying Trubisky is the same as Stafford. There's not like a data point that says that. But are you, are you kidding me? They're not in, they're not in the same... They are, tier? broadly speaking, in the same tier of quarterbacks. They could not be more different in terms of every other capacity. All, I'm talk- all you're trying to get is output here. Carr, number eight quarterback last year by PFF grades. Stafford, 13th. Yeah. Previous year, Stafford was seventh. Carr was a couple – eighth. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Night and day, completely different players. They are completely different players. Stylistically, there's yes. some differences. Massive differences. Yeah, I don't, not really. Yes, huge differences. No, because Stafford went through a period. They're both so they're both more than capable of making every single throw in the book, right? Okay. If they were, if they, if Mike Mayock was running their pro day, Mike loves a good pro day. He'd have these guys looking like, like gold. They'd, they'd look great on their pro day. Right. Okay. Then Stafford hit a point in his career where they tried to rein him in. Ah, oh, don't throw picks, you know, just keep it underneath. And his average depth of target was like six and a half one year. That is not him. Sound familiar? Derek Carr. That's Derek Carr. Conservative Derek. Underneath, don't take chances. But then, the last couple of years, the Lions unleash Stafford, throws the ball down the field a little bit more. This past year, Carr throws the ball down the field a little bit more. The results are much better. Way more similarities than differences between the two quarterbacks. I don't think that's true. If you want to bring a data point to the table to argue with me, that'd be great. But um, I don't think you got a leg to stand on. Anyway, well, Bears are going to make a this year a move. Carr's deep passing volume didn't actually tick up that much. It's just that he was absurdly more efficient when he did it. Like he went from a nine percent deep shot attempts to like eleven percent deep shot attempts. It was a slight uptick. It's a big difference. It's not. Yeah, he, still he probably ranked, went from the bottom third of the league to the middle of the middle of the league. The he went from definitely the bottom third of the league to the like nineteenth, like, bang in the middle, like twenty first uh, this year. Behind Joe Burrow, by the way, who people's biggest criticism is like Joe Burrow can't 
Yeah, he can't just didn't hit any. Can't make a deep throw to save his life. Yeah, he didn't attempt him, but he, he attempted he, more he deep attempted shots. Him, he just couldn't hit anything. Yeah, but my point is, Carr hit this year went from like bad to unsustainably good. That will go back to being in the middle sometime somewhere. No, because he's good at it. He's a good right. deep ball thrower. Okay. Anyway, I would say that Matthew Stafford is a significantly better like big play at quarterback or whatever the term is. You're looking big move. Okay. Splash move than Derek Carr. Great. All right, let's go to the rest. That was a good discussion, Sam. Really appreciate it. Let us know, fans, who's, who won that one. Um, offensive line, wide receiver. So wide receiver certainly an issue with Allen Robinson hitting free agency, all but assuredly going to be leaving. So, man, that's a tough one to replace. They had the true number one that I think every team is at least chasing. And then the offensive line needs uh, – this is one of those positions that has kind of slowly deteriorated over the last couple of years. They've got – um, some holes up, you know, up and down the line. Yeah, and they had a lot of injuries, and so some of that will probably get better next year. But the offensive line still needs attention, even beyond the injuries. All right, enough Bears chatter. Who's the next NFC team? Dallas, Dallas Cowboys. All defense. Yeah, and, and offensive tackle, interior D line, safety, offensive tackle. Where's cornerback on this list? I well, again, with the caveat that every team needs cornerbacks. Um, I don't know that cornerback is a massive glaring need for them, in part because I think Trevon Diggs played well down the stretch. Um, and like, this is another team that loaded up with young guys. Yeah, but everybody else is a free agent is the issue. Not everybody else. Chidabe Awuzier, free agent. Jordan Lewis, free agent. Mm-hmm. All they have is Trevon Diggs. Rashad Anthony Robinson. Brown. Don't you forget Rashad Robinson. They do have Rashad Robinson. Anyway, Trevon Diggs played really quite well down the stretch. Um which is good because he got lit on fire to begin his career. But, yeah, look, again, I, everybody needs cornerbacks. So if Dallas adds a cornerback, it's not a bad move. In fact, it's a, it's a good move. But the interior of their defensive line was an absolute travesty this year. They got destroyed, just absolutely annihilated by anybody on the ground. They gave up a half yard on average more before contact than any other team in the NFL. Yikes, that's bad. That is monstrous. Like a half yard when you're talking about a number that basically runs from zero to two in terms of yardage is absurd. They're half a yard. They were like two and a half. Nobody else is above two. Um, that can't happen. They just need somebody that can occupy the middle and not get wrecked by opposing offensive lines. And they have a friend of the show, Dan <laughs> Quinn, coming in, loves to create a pass rush with four guys. You have Tyron Crawford. Uh, they've had Tyrone Crawford there, but Demarcus Lawrence is definitely the guy there who's going to be rushing the passer from the interior. Look, I, Neville Gallimore I thought was a good upside third-round type of play at defensive tackle, but yeah. I don't know that he's ready to be a starter just yet. Right, he's, at this point, you can't yeah. trust him going forward. Similarly, you know, I thought Tristan Hill brought some, like, skills to the table, had a grade in the 30s this year. Again, you can't trust him going forward, so it's time to, time to find somebody that you can trust and put out there yeah interior defensive line absolutely a massive need that feels like that one's been been there for a while as well for yeah. the cowboys they have not been able to shore that up um and then yeah safety i would just say the entire secondary because it's safety xavier woods good solid player top 50 player on our free agent board he is a free agent um in that corner as i mentioned chita bay Wuzier and jordan lewis both going to be free agents i think dallas drafting at number 10 there's a lot of patrick sertan um, that's where I mocked him this past week. It feels like that's going to be a common one. Sertan or Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, the two top cornerbacks on our draft board. I think that'd be good value at number 10. Um, and if you pair them with Diggs, who they got in the second round last year, I think that'd be a good 
starting point. I, so as much as they have these other needs, I think that's going to be a common one, trying to get that that long corner for the for Quinn's scheme, mm-hmm. perhaps in round one. And then you put offensive tackle, a team that hasn't had to think about this for a couple of years now. Right. Um, you know, Lyle Collins is going to come back. That's fine. But at this point, you've got to start thinking about the succession plan to Tyron Smith on the other side. Like, when was the last time Smith was healthy and 100% for any extended period of time? Even when he's playing and, you know, gritting through injuries, he isn't the player that he used to be. And he's injured all the time at this yeah. stage. So, you know, let's let's start looking for his for the future at that position. So the best place to figure out who is available to solve all of your team's issues is with the PFF NFL Draft Guide. It's a part of Edge or Elite, both of our top products. And both products are 25% off. Subscriptions. They're subscriptions, Austin. Cut that. I didn't say product. They're subscriptions. Sorry. We've got... You know, Austin gets really mad if you say product. Does he? It's, it's more of a business term than a, you know, a sales term. It's a subscription. You're, you're just you're part of something for 365 days. Like Edge or Elite, 25% off when you use the promo code Super Bowl 25. Super Bowl 25. It's going through the Super Bowl. Draft Guide has over 150 player profiles, 477 pages of awesome. And just sign up now anyway because we're going to have more updates to the Draft Guide and it's awesome so go check that out and then of course don't forget pff elite that's the highest level of subscription sam um 25 off of that that's where you get the player grades that's where you get all our green line stuff that you're going to be using during the season all the greatness is there so super bowl 25 super bowl 25 25 off i like that turn of phrase you're a part of something that's you know it's very it's like yeah. that uh, the... i had to save myself after i said product mm. so. it's like that <clears throat> the the tweet thread you sent me the other day about podcasts yeah the the one piece of information i took from that is that the best marketing you could have is word of mouth right it's yes the people that like you and listen to you they tell one of their friends if every one of our listeners right now right now goes and tells one of their friends about the pff nfl podcast i mean right then our listenership would double that's right assuming they all listen we should do that everybody pause yeah text a friend go tell a friend you can tell. You can call them on the phone. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. go landline. You can text them. Landline. I mean, that's how I knew GameStop was taking off. You texted me. I did. I told you. That's word of mouth. That's yeah. how GameStop took off. I was thinking we we're in the financial world. You and I, <laughs> uh, rocking the Robinhood app and everything. We should give like a little tip of the day. Well, we were doing a lot better before Robinhood went full sheriff of Nottingham on everybody and well, suspended it all. If you would listen to me about doggy coin or whatever it's called, dog just coin. no way that that is called. Why is there an E in there? It has to be Dogecoin, surely. Doge? Yeah, Doge. like the Doge of Venice. I'm just going to call it the dog. Look, I'm not saying that you have a track record of lousy pronunciation, but if I was Yorks. a betting man, I would say that has to be pronounced Dogecoin. That's oh, coming back down to earth here. Yeah. What the heck? Anyway, the Detroit Lions. Dog coin. You're, no, you're, you should have listened to me. Uh-huh. That's my t- tip of the day. Get in. <laughs> Buy low, sell high. All right, Detroit Lions time. <laughs> Linebacker, edge defender, and wide receiver. You also need to put that caveat that everybody puts on things like not financial advice. Oh, yeah, not <laughs> financial. Oh, can I tell a funny, really quick funny oh, story? God. What have you got? My dad, he's just like a passive guy in general. He go, he go to the same <laughs> restaurant, this restaurant all the time. The guy, the owner of the restaurant, like thinks he's in finance or something like that. So he'd always ask him for advice. And my dad would just like make something up, like (laughs) so generic and bland. And it just, it lasted like five years. Years. Okay. My my dad's, I'm going to call him up, see what he thinks. Yeah. I mean, after his fixing the Christmas tree, it's the next logical step. Former star of the show. Detroit Lions, linebacker, edge defender, wide receiver. 
Let's start with receiver because their whole group is should have put hashtag toughness or grit. Oh my gosh, that's what they need to get. Ankle biting, <clears throat> it's all there. Knees, don't ankle. Knees, but knees, knees on the way up. So let's start with linebacker. Yes, I, I, I think if they weren't getting rid of Matthew Stafford and now in the market for a quarterback, I think Trey Lance would be a great, you know, potential top ten pick for the Lions, developmental type of QB. Micah Parsons. The hard-nosed, run-stopping linebacker from Penn State. One of the best-graded run-stoppers we've ever seen in PFF college history. I mean, that's the guy, right? For the Lions and Chris Spielman and I, Dan Campbell, that's the guy. I would pay quite a lot of money to sit in a room and listen to Chris Spielman and Dan Campbell, you know, evaluating their first-round potential options yeah. and just zeroing in on the toughest, hardest-hitting, grittiest player available. You know, You know why, too? Think about the last few years when you're like a new regime, new coach, GM, your first draft pick, that's like your your firstborn child. That's how they treat that person, right? Mm -hmm. That that's when when the Raiders drafted Cleveland Farrell, it was like, oh, this is leadership. This is the guy, right? Leadership. Everybody follow him. Uh, he wasn't their first pick, right? But um it was Christian Wilkins to the Dolphins. This kind of like safe, run stopping interior defensive lineman, great guy. That was the first pick of the new Dolphins regime. Uh, last year, the first pick of the Panthers regime, Derek Brown, safe, interior D lineman, you know, shore up the defense, the middle. Micah Parsons is that guy for the Lions. And then, like, their first meeting, you know, Chris Spielman starts telling him about the benefits of a neck roll and his and giant 80 yes. shoulder pads. Yes. If you want to be the leader of our defense, right. we're going to have to... We're going to have that. to supersize your shoulder pads. You're going to have to wear a neck roll because that's what real linebackers wear. And, and then, then you stick your nose in there. And then Micah just, you know exudes Detroit you know he's he's the the heart of the city so linebacker is a place where uh Jared Davis didn't really hasn't really panned out no uh Tavai there you know they've they've gotten some guys who are like decent pass rushers and just not good all-around linebackers uh edge defender to maybe pair with Trey Flowers yeah um I mean even Trey Flowers has been you know it's a good player for them but he's not that premier top-tier pass rusher, a guy that's going to get consistent pressure and, and really change a game. They haven't really found that guy. Uh, Romeo Aquara did that late in the season, briefly, for a few games, and is now hitting free agency. So they could do it finding one of those. They got Julian Aquara, though. Sure, but again, like... Definitely need You one. can't... With all these guys, there's a ton of teams who there's a young guy on the roster potentially able to do that, but can you rely on it going into next season? They don't need a big... 300 plus pound run stopper though because they got the guy from from utah last year who was it six john round? john hmm. they got john john go on john john's good i'll get you to say it at some point <laughs> it's penicini for those listening john penicini huh all right <laughs> wide receiver yeah for the lions because they're all hitting free agency danny amendola marvin jones kenny galladay all free agents and uh and Mar you said marvin jones I said Marvin. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So their top three receivers all hitting free agency. Their fourth receiver was Marvin Hall, and he got released during the season. I mean, I liked him because he was you know, random deep a couple times a game. Um, so a complete overhaul here. The good news for the Lions, though, they might only rock one receiver per you know per play mm. with the with the new regime. Yeah. You know, so the fullback might get more snaps than wide receiver too. Never oh, wow. know. Who's the uh, who's the closest analog to Lorenzo Neal in this draft? Have we got one of those? Austin, who's a good fullback in this draft? Help us out. Um, the Michigan guy, guy from Michigan's the fullback. He'll be going in the third round. There's the uh, the Notre Dame run blocking tight end though. 
that guy's a future lion. He just wrecks dudes on the move and everything. Anyway, the Lions have to, you know, figure something out at the wide receiver position. I, I, I think that's that's their biggest need because you know that's where that's where points come from. <laughs> but it is. I keep coming back to Campbell's got a six-year contract, right? They yeah. have. This is what I said about Shanahan a few years ago. Like they've got time. You don't have to find your QB this year, right? And knowing that, anything. like everybody knew that Stafford was out of there before this happened. Like right. the six-year deal was part of the the equation. The whole thing is, look, you're going to have time because the guy that most people thought was your franchise quarterback here is not anymore. He's out of here. You are going to be starting from fresh, and we know that takes some time. So let's see what you can do in six years. I am always interested <laughs> when you just get new people in their thoughts, their feeling, what they think. They, they're, gonna, they're starting from scratch, from quarterback to like, all the way across. I am interested at least to see where the Lions and go again, in this offseason. Like, I know it's the, the Dan Campbell, Chris Beelman thing is kind of funny, and it's – We're just joking around. It's a little bit of a stereotype, but – like, Campbell did make a lot of sense outside of the funny knee-biting stuff in his press conference. Like, he said a lot of things that weren't ridiculous. <laughs> and the, even the, even the knee-biting stuff was sort of, you know, a nod to the idea that Detroit is this downtrodden city. And, like, it, it spoke to the people, I guess. You know what I mean? It wasn't completely yeah. absurd. We're just having fun with it. I think other people are, too. But, yes, there's definitely more nuance to it than, like, hard-nosed old football guy going to run the ball 800 times. Yeah. So, let's go to uh, their division rival. Rival. Green Bay Packers just lost in the NFC Championship. We're going linebacker, interior defensive line, and cornerback. We've talked about the cornerback situation a lot with Kevin King not being good, plus hitting free agency. But yes, having that guy opposite Jair would be great. And the Packers are a good example of that's a pretty good roster. So when you're talking team needs for them, it's not like this position group sucks. It's like you have one weakness here and you could do with upgrading. So, you know, cornerback, Kevin King. It would be great for them if Kevin King wasn't starting in 2021. Um, interior defensive line, like you've got Kenny Clark, you're in pretty good shape there. You could really use a secondary um, guy alongside Kenny Clark, an impact player. Linebacker, I guess, is like a, a legitimate weakness. Um, they've had injuries and they've had lack of talent across linebacker this season and generally nobody to have plus play at any position um, in that group. So that's the one like really glaring weakness. But outside of that, it's just... Let's see if we can upgrade a spot here or there. Do we feel better about the receiver position based off what we saw this year? Because a year yeah. ago at this time, it was like, hey, you have Devontae Adams and a whole bunch of question marks, get an impact player. But I loved the roles that those guys played this year. Alan Lazard. Lazard uh, is, is big. I, I genuinely think that Lazard provides them a sort of a true number two weapon that, that changes the dynamic of that offense a lot. A guy that's reliable that Rodgers trusts um, and can do a lot of good things. And then Valdez-Scantling is, is a playmaker, and that's why they're prepared to live with the crazy drops that he has every now and again. Because if you can just keep that under wraps for a while, he can make some really big plays in this offense, particularly when you've got Devontae Adams, you know, dragging all the coverage in his direction. So I, I think Valdez-Scantling was better this year, and I think Lazard is that secondary threat. That top three, I think, is is a good group and not just – Devontae Adams and, and friends. They also had over 600 receiving yards across their two top running backs, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Yes, Jones is going to hit free agency, but I'm just saying they like, they schemed it up pretty well using the backs. Like it was a really good year. Yes, I think they might having depth. You know, if Devontae gets hurt again, yeah, hurts I mean, a lot. But again, nobody's going to complain ever if you add a good wide receiver to your room. But true. it's probably not a top three need for them. All right, next team in the NFC. There's a lot of AFC teams alphabetically for a while. Los yeah. Angeles Rams. 
linebacker, quarterback, <laughs> and edge defender. Go check out the PFF NFL Daily. Oh, go. perfect. So we talked about Jared Goff. We did. On the Daily today. And uh, it's a fascinating one. You've got Goff, a guy that's been a Super Bowl quarterback just three years ago, two, or two years ago, really, 2018. And it seems like the Rams are ready to move on from Jared Goff. So as far as top needs go, seems like they always want to replenish the edge defenders because they're getting a lot of one-year contract type of, you know, Fowler came in for a little bit, Leonard Floyd came in for a little bit. Edge defender is a place. Uh, linebacker, they haven't really replaced Corey Littleton after he had uh, left for free agency, but they've stitched it together as well. And the fact that quarterback is a need now for the Rams, I think speaks to just the hot and cold nature of Goff. Yeah, and honestly, it might be their biggest need. The reason I put it second is because I think they're probably stuck with it. Um, yeah. You know, we, we talked that through on the daily as well, but I think the most likely scenario for them is that Jared Goff is still on this roster in 2021 because it's too painful to get rid of him. The, like, the bottom drops out of their entire world if they cut him, so that's not going to happen. Um, and it's pretty painful to even trade him away. Plus, you would have to find a team desperate enough that's willing to take on his big contract for a guy that is bad enough that you want rid of him, despite the fact that it's that painful. So... Like a trade just doesn't look particularly likely unless it's one of those sort of salary dump trades, at which point you're stuck with him. He's on the roster and you have this open competition between your $100 million quarterback and a dude who played in the AAF. Yeah, I think the challenge for the Rams, just using their 2018 season as like a baseline, that was a good roster. It was a good team, make it to the Super Bowl, obviously. I think they slowly got worse in 2019. And then coming into this year, I thought there was a lot of question marks, right? It was nice to see some offensive line development from the Rams this year. But I think the biggest part was their defense became one of the two best in the NFL. Yeah. Now with Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator, moving on to the Chargers, oh man, I don't know if you could bank on that again next year. Plus it's defense right. and everything. Like the roster itself has gotten worse and worse over the last couple of years. And I think it's going to be really tough to get back to where even they were this year. And they're going to have, you know, it's going to get chipped away at a little bit with free agency, as happens every year. Just roster turnover. Troy Hill sitting free agency um, was, you know, one of their top three corners and a, a made some key plays for them this year. So, John yeah. Johnson hits free agency. So yeah. I think they'll do what they can to try to keep him because he's been he's been great. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. The, the defense is probably not going to be as good as, as it was this year. Um, so they're going to need the offense to be better. Uh, so, yeah, linebacker, absolutely. Edge defender absolutely and then i again we talked about it on the daily but how do you upgrade from jared goff it's a need it doesn't mean they can do anything about it yes that's my kind of point on this let's also not forget they don't have a first round pick yes so as jalen ramsey's awesome he's the foundation of that defense along with aaron donald but you just you start to feel the residual effect of when you trade for a non-quarterback with multiple first round picks you hit this point where it's like, man, here let's let's stack up our needs, and then it's like, oh, we don't have a first-round pick to even attack one of these, and that's where the Rams are right now. Uh, Minnesota Vikings are next up in the NFC. We're going guard for the 12th straight year, mm -hmm. interior defensive line, and edge defender. Another one of those teams where I think if you just rewind it a couple years, they've had a tough time getting back to that peak 2017 where just the defense was so good and, and just good across the board the defensive line has just slowly deteriorated the last few years. The entire defense has slowly deteriorated, but this year it fell to pieces. <laughs> they went from, yeah, this is getting chipped away at, to, wow, you don't actually have anybody on the defensive line. Now, to be fair, 
you know, Danielle Hunter got injured and didn't play all season long. That wasn't expected going into the year. Michael Pierce, the free agent acquisition on the defensive interior, opted out because of COVID. Um, so effectively, the two viable players that you did have on the defensive line didn't suit up at all for you this year. That being said, four guys start on a defensive line. And only two of them were viable before you went into the season. So this was going to be an issue anyway. It just became a monster issue when those two weren't there. And now you had four guys who don't belong playing in the NFL. And that was what they were rolling with. Now, you're not the most optimistic Vikings analyst I've ever been around. But I think just the way you laid that out, Danell Hunter coming back, Michael Pierce, I mean, he's not $8 million a year value type of guy, but he's a really valuable, you know, early down run stopper. And then the youth in the secondary. We saw flashes from Jeff Gladney, from Cam Cameron Dantzler. Could we see this team actually take massive steps forward just from guys developing, getting a little bit older? Simmer's still a pretty good defensive coach and just getting a couple guys back on the defensive line and then saying, hey, there are some needs there. They're going to attack even further as far as looking for pass rushers. I think it depends more on what the NFL looks like next year. I mean, is this one-year explosion of offense the new norm or do they start calling holding again next year and, you know, essentially nuke offense? Like, if, if this is the new norm, if offense is going to be the king, and you know more than it has been anyway like if it's going to have record setting numbers every single year then Danelle Hunter and Michael Pierce coming back to your defense and an uptick in Dantzler and Jeff Gladney maybe is not really moving the needle yeah but it's like, all relative right I mean, the goal might, is to rank somewhere good among 32 not to be you might no longer down. be the 26th ranked defense in the NFL you might be 17th on the other hand the difference there is nothing like that materially impacts you winning and losing almost not one iota I mean, it does a little bit. I think they got some pieces there to improve. But, yeah, I think the defensive line, they already talked about it this offseason. They need pass rushers. Yeah. So they're going to look for some pieces there. And then guard, the entire offensive line has not been great over the last couple of years. But guard in particular, are we looking at a situation, are they going to try to kick Ezra Cleveland out to tackle? Riley Reef heads into the last year of his contract, try to move on from Riley Reef, and then figure out the guard situation there? They're in a really tough spot of – institutionally they appear to have been extremely bad at evaluating offensive line talent um, and they've tried a lot of different ways of doing it they have tried free agency they've tried the draft repeatedly they've done pretty much everything you could do to change personnel on the offensive line and they just can't find good players yeah, brian o'neill one yeah right but outside of brian o'neill you've got garrett bradbury who's a disaster at center elfline who was so bad you cut him um, I'd love to get somebody to discuss that this offseason, one of the maybe the front office personnel folks that we might be able to get on the show. Do you ever look at your ability to just hit or yeah. just completely whiff on a position and change? Like, do you change your strategy or just keep trying? This is what the Patriots did, right? It's like we are terrible at evaluating wide receivers in the draft, apparently. So we're just going to stop doing it. We're going to stop drafting them yeah. beyond like the fifth round. And we're going to, if we have to get a wide receiver, we're going to go out, out to trade for them. We're right. just going to use the first round pick that we would have to draft a guy with and instead send that to a team for a proven commodity that we know will be good. They've brought in Randy Moss, Wes Welker, Brandon Cooks through the years. Yeah. The Vikings haven't done that yet. They've tried free agency. They've tried the draft, but they haven't gone, you know what? We need an offensive lineman badly. Here is a first round pick. Give me, you know, a top quality guard give me a top quality give me somebody that we know we can plug in you know give me a Corey Lindsley for our first round pick whatever 
who, by the way, free agent, right? That free would be agent. a pretty good yes. target for them. But anyway, they haven't yet tried the trade route, which is about the only thing left other than like going out and hiring an offensive line evaluation consultant to try and fix the issue. But they are, are right now being crippled on that side of the ball by a near decade-long inability to actually evaluate offensive linemen. So we'll see what happens this year with the Vikings, what they try to do up front on the O-line. Let's go to the New Orleans Saints. Quarterback, we're assuming Drew Brees. That's the, You're assuming Drew Brees finally rides up into the sunset. I am. Cornerback and receiver. It's interesting how that appears to have already turned about. You know, like he, we finished the game, the playoff game where they lost, and it was like, oh, Brees is retiring. Done. It's been reported. It's happening. Where's the announcement? Right. And, well, and then now it's like, the Saints are going, well, you know, like last year. We'll just wait and see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll wait for Drew. And this was kind of the way it planned out a year ago, right? Everyone kind of assumed he was leaving New Orleans. Um, and then it's like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait for him. And then, oh, look, Drew Brees is coming back. One more go around. One, one last rodeo. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he comes back again now. Like if they, can if the he Saints talks himself back pay, into. Can they even pay him? Ah, they can always do it. You can always kick the money down the road again. Like, sooner or later, the, the salary cap thing is interesting because it, it isn't a myth the way people say it is, right? There are consequences to everything you do to manipulate the salary cap. But one thing you can do is almost perpetually kick the money down the road. So it will hurt sometime, but you can almost permanently extend when that comes. So the Drew Brees thing, like, they can just keep kicking that pain down the road to the point where Drew Brees is no longer playing. But it does mean when they finally have to reckon with that like consequence, it's going to be absolutely crippling to the team. I think the problem though is they just you know they, they locked up Alvin Kamara. They got that class of 2017. They have you know you gotta pay a Ryan Ramchak, you gotta pay a Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams, excellent safety is gonna hit free agency right now. You have a lot of guys to pay because we've talked about the Saints, you know, yeah, they lost in the divisional round. They still have a top three all around roster from this season uh, in the entire NFL. So that is, I think, the biggest the biggest issue here is just not being able to maintain that, that excellent roster that they've had. Mm -hmm. So quarterback in need, we're assuming. You seem to think Breeze could come back. Cornerback, is that wrong? I mean, I still think, no, because so again, this, ain't, this is like arguably the best roster in the NFL, so finding three needs for them is not the easiest thing in the world. Compared Norris to some Jenkins, CGJ. Yeah. They're pretty good there. They are. But, but I don't know if they – Janoris Jenkins could be a guy that ends up – that they just can't keep. Yes, and they could, use, they could use – they could use – I think they could upgrade in the slot. I, I don't – again, like the Saints have a phenomenal roster, so there's going to be places where you say, all right, they could use some depth here, and it's not a glaring need. Quarterback, I think, is their biggest need, whether Drew Brees comes back or not. Um, and then outside of that, you are dealing with where could they use to get younger and cheaper. So potentially wide receiver is the other one. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean that that's the thing too. I thought adding Emmanuel Sanders was the right move. You know, all right, you've got Michael Thomas, you have Emmanuel Sanders. It just didn't work out that way with you know injuries to Michael Thomas and you know Drew Brees not being himself this entire season. So yeah, the the Saints still have a good roster, but lots a lot of moving pieces there this offseason. All right, New York Giants are next on the list. We're going guard, edge defender, and receiver for the Giants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, guard, I think Kevin Zeitler was solid. The other guard spot was not. Uh, Will Hernandez, Shane Lemieux combined. 
to man that this year. They each played about 500 snaps, and pretty much both of them were abysmal. Um, Lemieux was terrible as a pass blocker. Um, Hernandez was better, but not good. Uh, so whoever, like, they just need to upgrade that spot. That's like offensive line is about the weakest link. That's a massive weak link that causes the entire chain to break. Yeah, Hernandez has been a little disappointing. I, I think, you know, defense, I use the use the word crafty or, I don't know, feisty for the yeah, Giants defense all year because when you looked at the team, it's like there's not a whole lot of, you know, game changers. And, and that includes edge rusher. So I definitely think that's a huge need. Um, they're losing Leonard Williams too and Dalvin Tomlinson. Well, Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson both potential free agents they might actually have to replace one of those guys at least as far as their big old run stoppers leonard williams has been one of the more valuable interior defensive linemen just because of his durability and yeah he is just good He's and solid good. all around i mean presumably they'll draft another uh another interior run stuffer because they've only got one left now oh they're gonna yeah. love the nc state nose tackle ali mcneil dude's awesome 320 squatty can move yeah future giant in round two and then wide receiver i mean i think this is this is the big one, right? I mean, figure out what you have with – I'm assuming they're rolling with Daniel Jones next year. Figure out what you have with him. Who can be a good complement to Darius Slayton, uh, Sterling Shepard, who they've had there. They've had Golden Tate, but got to have a, a playmaker out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm torn on this. I, it is obviously a need. It's on the list. Um, and it is – they could definitely do with it, and it would potentially make a huge difference to that offense. On the other hand, I kind of like the group that they have. It's not like – you know, they're not one of these teams that just has no receiver, like the Lions, right? Their top three receivers are all hitting free agency. Yeah, literally nothing. There's almost literally nothing there on the roster. You need a complete overhaul. You need something huge to come in there to try and make three spots into one. The Giants actually have a pretty good receiving core. It's just that of that group, there's no superstar. And they could definitely, you know, if you planted a Julio Jones in there or whoever, it would obviously make a huge difference. So it's i don't know what that balance ends up uh coming out to but yeah sure they need a receiver all right let's go to the philadelphia eagles linebacker cornerback and then qb because you know who knows what their qb right. situation is really going to look like but back seven in general linebacker and corner certainly big needs in philadelphia yeah i mean if you assume for a minute similarly to the jared goff thing something has to get worked out between them and Carson Wentz. Particularly, I think the move they've made a head coach speaks to that. It's like, hey, maybe Frank Reich was the brains of this operation, so let's get the closest guy to Frank Reich because apparently he already has a job. Um, Just trade Wentz for Goff, straight up. <laughs> but anyway, I think the moves they've made suggest that they want to try and piece Carson Wentz back together rather than this relationship is dead. Let's try and ship him off somewhere. Sure. At which point, you know, quarterback might be a need, but it's a tertiary one. It's, it's let's maybe build in some contingency here. So that if this thing continues to go in the tank, we have an alternative beyond um, Jalen Hurts. So at that point, you're looking at what's the biggest hole in this roster, period. And linebacker was just a disaster this year. Like nobody that they had out there had any kind of capable mark in coverage. 65, I think, was the highest grade of the group. And the guy that had that was our old buddy TJ Edwards. TJ. Um, who was undrafted with, like, major, you know, speed, size, like, athleticism concerns. Yep. So they need somebody. To, again, particularly in this era of all offense all the time, you need a linebacker that can, can match up with some of these weapons because they're, they're finding ways to exploit them. So when you've got a Nate – Gary or Nate Jerry 
trying to like turn and run with an Alvin Kamara. It's just like, no, it's game over, touchdown. So find a guy that can at least come close to doing that, even if he can't match it. And then cornerbacks, the other one that we listed, which is, you know, they traded for Darius Slay last year. He was all right. But having another Darius Slay type out there, like in my mock draft, I went Caleb Farley with them. Maybe that was a little high at six, but I love the idea of two number one corners out there because I love that for everybody. But two legitimate number one corners, I think, would work wonders for the Eagles and absolutely have to, you know, attack that market again. And I keep coming back to if you just, it is fascinating how consistent the Eagles have been from a pass rush standpoint from 2015, 16, every single year. It's been great. And the one year where their coverage grade was in the top three was 2017 Super Bowl. Yeah. Every other year they've been 15th, 20th, 25th. They've been one of the worst coverage teams in the NFL backs up our theory that that's that's the thing that's going to lead to winning um, they've done a good job of keeping the pass rushers intact always having a fierce four to eight players on that defensive line but the back seven absolutely needs work in philadelphia and even the play from darius slay this year like it was good but it wasn't hey he had that bounce you know remember the one a lot of the narrative was this last year in detroit was an ugly season but if you actually watch the tape he's still in really good coverage maybe next year he bounces back in a major way and still looks like one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Didn't really. Like, he was, again, like, good, yeah. not great, and didn't look like, hey, this is a superstar um, cornerback who was just having a, a, a run of bad luck. This looked like a guy who actually, you know, maybe on the wane. All right, San Francisco 49ers, cornerback, by far their biggest need, interior defensive line, and just because, uh, for George's sake, quarterback – because he's ready to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. But the Niners might be as well. Cornerback's uh, the interesting one, because a year ago at this time, the Niners are coming off their Super Bowl win. You still had Richard Sherman. You have all these guys under contract. But if you looked a year ahead, well, they weren't going to be under contract. And I thought last year the Niners definitely should have given a long, hard look at corner in the draft or wherever, just to have that forward-looking approach. Now they're all hitting free agency. Jason Verrett, Richard Sherman, uh, Akella Witherspoon, is he – did I just make that up? I think you made that up. I did make that up. He's still around, but um, but he's the top the two guys. <laughs> yeah, but he's crazy. the one you're least confident about. He's the one coming. Yeah, You've got, he's coming back yeah. and could still be good. But Richard Sherman, Jason Verrett, and Kwan Williams are all. That's who I'm thinking. Right, Kwan Williams. Sorry. So yeah, effectively, what would be on paper your two starting cornerbacks and your slot guy right. if you had everybody available or all free agents? That's, so you just attack that position a year earlier, so you don't have this situation. Yeah, and the one guy that you're left with is Akella Witherspoon, who literally 12 months ago was benched and on toast because he just got eviscerated in the playoffs. Um, so, and th yeah, this was despite Jason Verrett having like the unexpected season out of nowhere, right? He actually plays 800 snaps and plays really well and gives you that good season, but he's not under contract long-term because you were, you know, taking these sequence of short-term gambles with him. So yeah, the 49ers need to find some cornerbacks pretty quickly. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, interior defensive line, you know, they, they, you draft Javon Kinlaw last year. I think he could still be a pretty good player. You know, yeah. Try to replace DeForest Buckner. But it's just having – like when they were good last year, across the front four, everybody was legit. Right. I expect um, Kinlaw to actually be a lot better next year. I think his grade is not good. He had an overall grade, I think, of 54 this season. Um, but every single week you saw him make a couple of plays that shows you why he was drafted where he was. Yeah. And it's just that, you know, at the NFL level, you, you can't do that, right? You can't just do it twice in a game – and then not be good the rest of the time because you're going to get destroyed by offensive linemen. Those guys are good. You need to show more than that. But the fact that he was able to do it every week 
um, against regardless of who the competition was. It shows you that it's there. It's better than just like every now and again you saw a play from him. Right. It was consistent, just not consistent enough for him to grade well. You wrote a rookie article every single week. Do you think the pandemic really hurt just first-year players in general this year? I mean, it kind of helped, right? Particularly yeah. guys that, you know, defensive guys where offenses are getting boosted this year. You're already behind the eight ball. Yeah, it, it can't have given you any kind of, you know, ability or to react to what's happening. Um, and, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Niners at the quarterback situation. I am just fascinated by this world where you have a middle-tier quarterback, even a guy that you've gone to a Super Bowl with, and you just want a little bit more. And that's a Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a Jared Goff. It's a Cam Newton, man. I'm telling you, it's it's middle-tier quarterbacks. Can You've called them coach killers before. It's just, it's just they they give you the feels on both ends of the spectrum, and it's it's really tough to figure out what to do there. I mean, I think the point with Jimmy Garoppolo is that Injury history alone should have you looking for alternative options That's true. at this point. Yeah. Even if you were convinced that, hey, he comes back, he's 100% healthy, Kyle Shanahan takes this guy to a Super Bowl because that's what Kyle Shanahan does. Yeah, but what would you put the odds on him being healthy next year at? Like, how many games? What's his over-under on starting games next year? He's played 48% yeah. of games. So if you're telling me that your over-under is like a 10-game sample, like, that's not enough. You need to, like, you, your quarterback can't be out there for 10 games and that you'd be happy with that. It's particularly if your backup is Nick Mullins, who was a, a problem this year. That's so. a fair I, – I would, I would like to know. I'd, be, I'd like to be a fly on the wall and know, are they happy with how well he plays when he's out there? Yeah. Or is it the injury part of it where it's like, man, this is just too risky at this point? All right, a couple more teams in the NFC to discuss, starting with the Seattle Seahawks. This is an interesting one because it's all defensive side of the ball, but cornerback, edge rusher, and interior, interior defensive line. I thought they made the right moves at corner last year. Yeah. But Shaquille, both, you know, they added Quentin Dunbar to pair with Shaquille Griffin. Both guys are free agents right now, though, and they also didn't play all that well this year compared to you know, what they could have been. Didn't play all that well and didn't play all that much, um, but depending on which one you're talking about. So, yeah, in, on theory, those two look like a really interesting pairing, but Griffin didn't play as well as he did a year ago, and Dunbar didn't play, um, which, again, he's like almost cornerback Jimmy G. Yeah. Like that dude has had one season where he played like uh, most of the snaps, and that one year was amazing, but every other year he's played like 300, three to 400. Um, so, yeah, see, I mean – Cornerback, the Seahawks defense generally was a problem this year. They couldn't get pressure. They couldn't cover on the back end. Outside of that pressure, the, the guy getting pressure for them was a safety. So, I mean, attack all three levels of the defense. Yeah, Jaron Reed was the guy that rushed the passer more than any a defensive lineman in the entire uh, league this year. 590 pass rushes, only had 38 pressures, 58.1 pass rush grade. They traded for Carlos Dunlap. He was just okay. He's getting older. Puna Ford rushed the passer 415 times. Like, he's a good early down run stopper. That's just what he is. Um, but you're right. The entire defensive line, again, they need playmakers. And when you point back to successful Seattle defenses, yes, they had the Legion of Boom, an incredible secondary, but they got after it from a pass rush standpoint as well. So they need help up front. All right, Tampa Bay Bucks. They're in the Super Bowl, but we could still look forward to what they're going to need this offseason. And this is another one. It's, it's a lot of replacing what they have this year. With uh, So we went linebacker, interior, interior of the defensive line, and edge defender. And that's in part because Levante David's pending a free, a, a yeah. free agent. And Dominican Sue is a free agent. And then Shaq Barrett, maybe the big – well, him and Levante, both big. But they're all pending free agents on that defense. Yeah, and while I think they'll probably retain Shaq Barrett, I think they've made 
pretty clear statements all the way along that they want to keep that guy in the building. So let's assume he stays even with that. You know, JPP is their other edge rusher. JPP is getting old. Um, but linebacker, I think, is the key one. And I think people look at this and say, you know, Levante David's going to go, but Devin White will step into that role and he'll be the guy to replace that. And you, I just think that's it's dangerous. I don't know that there's a player in the NFL whose perception is as as wide and as far apart from his actual play as than Devin White right now. He's the classic example of a player whose highlight reel is amazing and the guy runs around. He's, he's an incredible athlete, so it's very easy to sort of glance in his direction and think he's a superstar, but you're missing all the bad plays. You're yep. missing the fact that he's almost never where he needs to be in coverage, doesn't have a good feel. You know, this was... Um, a lot of linebackers are like this earlier in their careers. And again, the way offense is right now, it's never been harder. But it's not easy to have a good feel for like how to back away from the line of scrimmage into coverage, into right. zones, and be in the right place and figure out, feel the routes coming in behind you and understand how to move within your zone and shut down a window. The best linebackers in the NFL get really good at that. And Luke Keekley was better than anybody in the league at it and just made those throwing lanes for quarterbacks so hard if you're not there yet you don't you don't have that feel you're just constantly getting exploited you think you're in the right place and the guy's coming in behind you and it's it's in new york zone and you just haven't stopped it so right now devin white runs around like a, a train makes a ton of big hits makes some great plays but makes a lot of bad plays as well and if you're expecting levante david to be replaced by him I would suggest that's going to go badly. It's one of the positions where I think we have the biggest disconnect with maybe fans because at linebacker, you see all the, to your point, you see all the good plays, right? You see a forced fumble. He had 31 pressures. That's second most in the NFL among all linebackers. Right. He had nine sacks by our numbers. I don't know what the NFL gave him, but yeah, so he made splash plays, a couple pass breakups. But yes, the, the one position where I don't think fans, analysts, it doesn't, negative plays just don't register at linebacker unless it's like a missed tackle on like the game winning run or so it's it's like a couple plays that really stand out but it's not like the down to down consistency so the, Devin White has the skills by the way like if he took a big step forward next year I wouldn't be surprised but he's not Levante David yet the pressures thing is really important though because you don't tend to do that to a linebacker if he's good in coverage right how many pressures did he say he had 31 on 109 rushes you know how many pass rushes Luke Keekley had in his career 150 26. What? Yes. Luke Keekley was blitzed 26 times in his NFL career. That's it? Because Luke Keekley is one of the best coverage linebackers. I know of they his didn't generation. blitz a lot, but I thought he had more than that. No. So my That's point crazy. is you're only sending a guy enough to get 30 pressures if he's not great in coverage and you need to hide him. Um, if he was good in coverage, you wouldn't blitz him that much and it wouldn't be a, a concern. So I look, there's a that's an issue, right? And the Bucks know it's an issue, which is one of the reasons they deploy him the way he is. So that's a need. Linebacker, uh, bringing Levante David back. Edge defender, bringing Shaq Barrett back. Um, and then we'll see what they do on the interior of the defensive line as well. Uh, let's wrap it up with the Washington football team. We're definitely not getting to the AFC today. we got Tom House coming in soon. So we'll do the AFC on Monday, I believe, Sam. I think that's good Monday content. Uh, Washington football team, quarterback, receiver, and offensive tackle. So across the board on offense here. Yeah. And obviously quarterback is the biggest one. Like, you know, Alex Smith was a comeback story for the ages, but Alex Smith didn't even play that well when he was playing this year. And now that you aggravate a calf injury from the leg that didn't have a calf 
for a while. That has to raise some pretty serious questions about whether he can even play going forward. Plus, the guy's old, you know? Yeah. Like, so Alex Smith probably isn't your answer. Kyle Allen certainly isn't that your answer. Taylor Heineke, if he's your answer, it's based off a sample size of like one game. He's at least competing to right. be the answer. Which is terrifying. I mean, I'm not saying you can't do it, but do you remember, who, who's the closest to that? What's the smallest sample size a team has been like convinced on a player by? Matt Schaub. Rob like a Johnson. A couple of games, right? Rob Johnson. Remember Rob Johnson? How much A.J. Feely had like two games, right, before he got traded for? And Kevin Cobb had a few. Like, it's happened before, but it's really risky. Rob, Matt Flynn, Austin. Yeah, he had a six-touchdown yeah. game. Um, Rob Johnson legitimately started one game. Uh, yeah. Brunel got hurt. First game of 1997. Rob Johnson goes 22 for 28. 344. Two touchdowns. Gets hurt in the game. Can't even start the next week. <laughs> so the, they pull some dude out of the street to start, and then Brunel comes back. Rob yeah. Johnson doesn't throw a pass the rest of the year. Next year, he's Buffalo's starting quarterback. Yeah. He had thrown 35 NFL passes to that point. Wow. Now, to be fair, he was uh, – where was he drafted? Fourth, no, he was a fourth-round pick out of USC. Like, he was kind of a pretty good yeah. USC quarterback, so, I, mean, I think. So, I mean, it's happened before, but it's, A, absurdly risky, and, B, doesn't happen very often for a good reason. But remember our point here about the difference in the NFL now versus seven or eight years ago? Yeah. Remember when A.J. McCarron had, like, one good half of football? Yes. And I remember Peter King, and everybody's like, A.J. McCarron for a first-round pick next year. It's happening. Right. It used to be if a guy had 15 good passes – right. You'd hype them up as this future. Well, it was the flipping same, them for a first because teams couldn't find quarterbacks. Yes, it was the same reason that you know the Alex Smiths of the world were getting hundred million dollar contracts in Kansas City, because the the specter of what happens if you don't have one of those guys is so terrifying that you have to do whatever you can. So, if you have a guy, you have to throw a hundred million dollars at him, even if you know he's rank average. Right. And if you don't have a guy, if you see like six plays where it suggests that he might be a guy. Grab him. Throw a second-round pick to get him. Like, whatever it takes, because alternatively, I, always, I need another guy because I keep hammering poor old Brody Croyle as my example. It's like, if you don't have him, you're Tyler starting, Palco also right, you're starting Brody Croyle and everybody's crying. I need another guy to start hammering on from then on in. But my You've point pretty is— pretty much used all old Chiefs quarterbacks, Matt Castle, <laughs> Tyler, uh, Brody Croyle. The pre-Mahomes era, yeah. Um, but you're no longer in that situation, so you probably don't need to go crazy and, you know, start Taylor Heineke next year. Here's a scenario for the football team, and some of it's depend. Well, Ron Rivera, reunion with Cam Newton as your bridge quarterback, and could they? I don't know where Trey Lance ends up in the draft. Okay, but if you could get Trey Lance, the quarterback who needs a couple of years, to sit behind Cam Newton for at least a year, I think that'd be an interesting scenario for the football team looking forward. But I think they're going to go the veteran route as well, just because of where they are drafted in the first round it's going to be tough to it's going to be obviously going to be difficult to get one of those top tier guys receiver somebody opposite terry mclaurin um and then yeah the entire offensive line had, with brandon sheriff's hitting free agency we'll see if they can bring him back at guard but yeah at tackle i love cornelius lucas started was reasonable there this year but like he's not the guy you want locking down the left side i mean there's nobody on that offensive line that couldn't be upgraded upon reasonably comfortably so O-line for the football team. So here's what we'll do, Sam. We'll hit hit the AFC on Monday. Yeah. That sound good? Mm -hmm. So it's your NFC team needs. If you've enjoyed all these grades and everything we've been talking about, that's all available. PFF Elite, 25% off right now. Super Bowl 25 is the promo code. Super Bowl 25, you get 25% off. 
any PFF subscription, Austin Edge or Elite, now through the Super Bowl. So go and check that out. Don't forget, PFF NFL Daily. It's taken off like a rocket ship. It's taken off like GameStop, Sam. PFF NFL Daily, we appreciate everybody who has already uh, become a subscriber there. Please. I don't want to break it to you, but GameStop is tanking through the floor right now. Uh, like early in the week, GameStop. Yeah. Okay. Like January 26th through 27th. Gotcha. GameStop. That's what the daily is looking like right morning. now. Or just this morning. Or just this morning. Yeah. Stock market's volatile right now, but the daily's not. So we appreciate everybody that's gone over there. If you haven't yet, go subscribe. Search PFF NFL Daily wherever you listen to this podcast. You got anything else? Anything else for the people? No, I'm good. All right, it's off-season time. It's Senior Bowl week. Everybody enjoy the Senior Bowl. If you guys have any other great off-season, team-building, free agency, draft type of stories that you'd want us to, to hit on or topics that you want us to hit on, hit us up on Twitter at PFF underscore Steve at pff underscore sam all right guys we've got tom house coming up my former pitching coach but also tom brady's coach mm -hmm. so tom and i have something in common let's discuss uh all sorts of different things with uh dr tom house here hey guys life is full of questions like what would happen to my family if something happened to me am i saving enough for retirement and is now the right time to start thinking about life insurance just to name a few no one should have to settle for answers to these life-altering questions that involve gray areas or leaving things to chance. And with Western and Southern, you won't have to. Backed by over 130 years of experience gathering insights, building strategies, and helping customers choose the right solutions, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. All right, Sam's Sam's mic died. Everything's died over there with Sam, so I, I rigged it so it can be two former pitchers. It's my old pitching coach, really. Tom, Tom doesn't even know that. Welcome in Tom House, who's really NFL coach to how many NFL quarterbacks now? Probably 26 to 28 of the 32. That's crazy. So um, your background, former major league pitcher, pitching coach, major league pitching coach, guru from a pitching standpoint, how did you end up in football? How, how did you even get here? I'd like to say it was well planned out, but off camera, you and I talked about it. You just kind of stumble into things. Yeah. And it's not how you stumble in, it's what you do when you've actually got in. And be, for whatever reason, uh, technology and 3D motion analysis and baseball pitching and quarterback throwing and the fact that we threw footballs as pitchers, it all kind of ended up um, beginning with a guy named Drew Brees that we, as pitchers, we actually knew how to throw a football and vice versa. And from that, you know, very primitive beginning, it gets us to where we are right now. That was like, you were famous for a couple of different things, you know, catching Hank Aaron's 715 and all that stuff, right? You've done and, your homework. Thank you yeah. for remembering. <laughs> I remember, of course, you know, rest in peace, Hammer and Hank. Um, yep. But I remember like the 1989 Rangers and you guys are throwing footballs in the outfield. That was one of the training tools that you used, right? Back, you know, late 80s and early 90s. Good on you, Steve. It actually, uh, people still remember me uh, probably as the guy that threw the football. But it turned out that throwing a football and throwing a baseball are about the same thing. And I'd like to say it was completely my idea. 
it wasn't. I stole it from Dick Dent, who was a trainer for the Padre organization. And he had, he threw footballs to his quarterbacks when they ran and they played catch with it. Turned out that guys that, if you had bad mechanics, you couldn't throw, couldn't make a spiral. And throwing the football is a little heavier than a baseball. So there was conditioning involved and the, the kids recovered quicker. So for three good reasons, the football kind of snuck into the baseball end of things. And because of that, baseball snuck into football. So you never know. So one of the things I always joke about is how difficult playing quarterback is because, you know, as a pitcher, the plate never moves. It, it's the same, same distance all the time. You just throw three or four pitches and, you know, hit a couple different spots. You, you have to master like eight or 10 things, right? But a quarterback yeah. has to make hundreds of throws. There's dudes running after him. You're throwing guys on the move. How do you, as a coach, balance those differences between a somewhat stationary, you know, pitching uh, motion and everything versus what a quarterback has to deal with? I'll tell you what, that's a great question. And I hope it ends up being an easy answer. What a quarterback has to do while he's, you know, dodging two tons of things that are trying to tear his head off and lining up a receiver like it was home plate, he has to get his back foot, the ankle on his back foot perpendicular to the target line on every throw. Now there's guys like Mahomes and even Brady today that can throw with their feet going one way and their upper body going another because they're off platform. But given the right time and the protection, a quarterback literally creates his own rubber with his back foot and it is exactly perpendicular to where he's throwing the football. And what a, what a lot of people don't realize, there's quarterbacks that can throw to an open receiver, and there's quarterbacks that throw receivers open. Yeah. So the thing that has been truly astounding to me, and I'll bring up Tom Brady because it's point in time stuff, is that he creates with his back foot a rubber, and he throws a football where there's nothing, but in 0.3 seconds, there'll be a receiver there. And that's the difference between the Hall of Fame guys and everybody else. Did that make sense what I just said, Steve? Oh, it absolutely did. I mean, so it's it's just funny because the mechanic like it, there are mechanics involved, so to speak, but it's yeah. on the fly and it's sometimes it's off balance, but it's you get your body into the position to make the necessary throws, right? You're you're exactly right. And the timing of a quarterback, it's about with with weight shift, it's about one sixth of what a pitcher is because the pitcher has all day right. and he'll stride six to seven of his feet. A quarterback has to have the ball out of his hand in less than half a second. So getting into foot strike is about one sixth of what a pitcher would do. So timing is a little different, but once the timing is squared away and the front foot is down, everything's the same as a pitcher. So that I wanted to ask you about that too, because I know, I know your history. I know your theories, right? Long stride closer to the plate, Exactly. Uh, from a pitching standpoint, you're trying to decrease the reaction time of the hitter. Um, yeah. So you would, when, I, when we worked together that one hour, I was striding like crazy. I'm 6'10". I had this massive long stride, balls getting on the hitter. Now that is completely different from quarterbacking, as you just described. How did you, how do your theories change there? You know, because you're not, you're not trying to get the ball on top of, hit, of a hitter. You're just trying to throw the ball accurately and on time and with some velocity to a receiver. Boy, ask me if I'm impressed. You got this stuff figured out. Did, did you lay awake last night figuring out what questions you were going to ask me? No, this was my life, Tom. This was I, <laughs> I was an undrafted free agent and studied your stuff and everybody, you know, other. Pitch I'm telling you right now, this is so much fun for me. 
So think about it this way, angles, distance, and time. Yep. Right? Quarterbacks and pitchers are both trying to cut the angle, cut the distance, cut the time. A pitcher is trying to fool the hitter's eyes. A quarterback is trying to take advantage of the receiver's eyes. So as a 6'10 pitcher, for every one foot of distance that you can get in your stride, it's three miles an hour to the hitter's eyes. With a quarterback, you want to get the ball in the air ASAP on target and have it be where the receiver is looking for it. You're not trying to fool your receiver. You're trying to actually open up his vision and have him predict where the ball is going. With a hitter, you want to do just the opposite. You want to close down his vision and have him think he's setting a fastball when he's swinging at a curveball. So once the physical throw has been made, one is to trick the hitter as a pitcher, and one is to make the receiver very comfortable as a pass catcher. That's the only difference. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you you were able to adjust that, right? I mean, as a coach, yeah. that's yeah. got a, a challenge going from because you know because of those differences, right? Yeah, and when you when you sit in the quarterback room, they're talking about running routes and making sure someone is there at the right time, at the right place. And quarterbacks actually, it's like creating a, a plate in their mind. Even though the receiver isn't there yet, he's going to throw to that plate with the idea that in 0.2 seconds, a receiver is going to show up. So, and it's funny that everybody in baseball is talking about spin rate and all the stuff that, you know, makes the ball harder to hit. What well, it turns out that Quarterbacks with a higher spin rate, wind and bad weather doesn't affect the football as much as guys. So there's so many similarities, it's scary, but it takes someone like you and me that is, I, I won't say smart enough, maybe stupid enough to sit and look at stuff until you find the common denominator. So let's pretend that you and I are equally stupid about being smart. Does that sound good? Just studying stuff, just trying to, just trying yeah. to, that's it. Um, awesome. So, yeah. My question is, working with NFL quarterbacks now, a guy like Tom Brady, who already – he had a Hall of Fame career before you got to him, right? Yeah, agreed. Same thing. What do you do – how do you work with those guys versus working with, like, a scrub like me that's just trying to make it? Like, what's the difference? How do you work with guys, guys who are already great? Well, the, the only thing – the only difference between a Scrabini like you and me and a Hall of Famer are the lights and the paycheck. Everything else is the same. The teachers the same. They're just better at doing what research tells us they have to do. And the one common denominator I've seen about all these elite guys is that not only are they physically gifted and mechanically gifted, they're mentally, emotionally gifted. They handle, they handle, they get in the zone no matter what the circumstances are better than anybody else. And I'm talking about the elite you know, Hall of Fame pitchers, the Nolan Ryans and the Randy Johnsons, as well as the Hall of Fame quarterbacks, the Drew Brees and the Tom Brady's. They have this, what, whatever it is mentally, emotionally, that allows them to take what they do best and deliver under the highest pressure possible. And then they also have this consistent thing. They have this genetic predisposition to try to get better at something every day. Now I'm gonna get a little long-winded here, Say, say you were to come to me right now as a 17 year old, 18 year old, 6'10 pitcher. You might be coming from mechanics, but you're gonna get functional strength, mental, emotional, nutrition, and sleep for recovery. 
you might be coming to me for mental emotional, but you're going to get the other three. In other words, everybody that comes our way and everybody that's going to end up using our mustard app is going to get four things, whether they showed up for them or not. Mechanics, functional strength, mental emotional, nutrition, and sleep for recovery. Did that make sense? It made sense to me because I, I used that guideline to make it to AAA. So that was, you know, you just get better at a little, you know, at some things every single day. So tell us about Mustard, the, the app. Is this, your, this is your new venture? You've got all sorts of stuff going on through the years. Yes, it's probably the best thing that I've ever done. And, and the really cool thing is I'm not doing it by myself. There's a team of people around me that are taking, you know, 50 years of my knowledge acquisition and research, uh, all the things that we know don't work as well as all the things that do work. And they're getting it into cell phone friendly app to where in effect, if you have a cell phone, you've got me at your fingertips. We're able to give a family with a 12 year old the exact same elite information that you got when we were in Tom's River to the, what we're, you know, what, we, what I'm doing when I'm working with Drew Brees or Tom Brady. So the deliverable, we're, we're actually democratizing the information and instruction and getting it out to a large number of, of people. Uh, Stat-wise, this blew me away. We, we know in today's world that 80% of young athletes, male and female, stop playing their sport before they're 14 years old. If we could just get those kids to play through high school, you'd have an affiliation, a fan base, a healthier, mental and mentally, emotionally, and physically person. It's the power of play and the support of sport. So that's the genesis behind Mustard, the app. Love it. So do you just uh, search that anywhere you're, uh, you're finding apps pretty much? Yeah, if, I'll tell you what, to get it started, we're in beta testing right now. The full product probably won't be out until June or July. But if, if the people that are interested could go to Team Mustard, that's team as in team, and then M-S-T-R-D, mustard without the vowels, teammustard.com. And that'll give you kind of a place to show up and see where everything is going. I'd highly recommend it. And again, I think because of all the people involved, this is the best thing that I've ever done as a coach. I love it. So let's, uh, let's wrap it up with this, then we'll give the, the website once again. Uh, with Brady specifically, he's going to play Super Bowl number 10. Um, he's, you know, throughout his career has been known as a guy that, to your point, gets better every year, every day, uh, always focused on his mechanics. Uh, has he made any tweaks or changes through the years? How has his throwing motion, his lower body mechanics, how have things evolved for, for him through the years from what you've seen? Well, you, you said it earlier, Steve. He would have been a Hall of Famer whether he and I would have crossed paths no matter what. But what he's been able to do and with what is unique about these superstars, um, if it makes sense, if it's balanced in their brain and they understand the logic, these superstars are willing to make small changes. And the small changes, when, when, when he and I work or have been working over the last eight, nine years, he's not trying to get 10% better or 12% better. He's looking to get 1% better at something yeah. in his makeup. And sometimes it's a mechanical flaw. Sometimes it's strength. Sometimes it's nutrition and sleep. Sometimes it's mental emotional. 
or all the above. And the unique thing about a guy like Brady is he takes it, kind of filters it through his thought process and turns it into an action that actually produces under pressure. So the differentiating factor between guys like you and me, we talked about it earlier, and these superstars is this unique drive to get better every day. And we've proven that there's no reason you can't do at 45 what you did at 25 if you follow process. And what Tom has literally done, he's found a process that is pushing back time, pushing back the aging process. And I, I'm pretty sure he'll play at least 45. He might have more in it. We proved it with Nolan Ryan and Jamie Moyer, two different kind of pitchers that lasted into their late 40s. Brady is going to do the same thing. So well, let me follow up with that then. How long is he going to play? He said 45 before, but he's going to get to 45 and be in the Super Bowl and say, ah, oh, let's make it 48. When's he actually going to wrap it up? He'll know. Yeah. He, he will know when he's done. When he can no longer perform to his standard, which is a, a standard different from anybody else in the history of the game, then he'll walk from the game. He, he'll retire on his own terms. Unlike you and I who got released, I got released three times and fired twice. And, and the people that did it to me were right every time. Guys like Tom Brady and Drew Brees, when, they're, when, when they realize that their time is up, they'll retire on their terms. So you're watching something pretty special because you got the old Tom Brady and then the new kid on the block, the, the kid literally, which is a baby goat playing against each other in two Sundays. It's an awesome time to be a football fan. Yeah, it really is. Do you think Tom felt his 2019 performance was not up to par? Did he have doubts about himself or did he, I mean, the situation wasn't great. They're never satisfied. Just like I hope, you know, you and I going into our golden years that we're never satisfied. But the cool thing is they, they learn as much from their failures or their letdowns as they do their successes. But they don't let either success or failure get in the way of this moment and how this moment projects into something tomorrow. So they, they figured it out. And it's the perfect match between technology, old school and new school. It's the right time at the right place for the right reason. So this will be a very interesting Super Bowl. Awesome. We can't wait. Looking forward to it. Appreciate uh, having you on here. We'll have to have you back uh, at some point. Talk more pitching and football mechanics. and That would be awesome, Steve. Anytime. Just let me know. Appreciate it. So uh, let everybody know again where to find. Uh, is it teammustard.com, T-E-M-M-S-T-R-D.com, and what they're getting there? Perfect. Thanks for setting it up. Again, just think about it having me in your cell phone and everything that I've learned, plus all the stuff with the people that are helping me out in your hands, in your cell phone, to help you as a coach or an athlete. It's a really solid product. Love it. Appreciate you joining us. And uh, yeah, QB. Okay, thanks, Steve. The NFL. Thanks, Tom. Have a, have a blessed day. All right, Sam, that was fun, at least for me, talking yeah. to my old coach, Tom House, did some dorky pitching and football mechanics, and you bailed on us. Yeah, my, my head, the headphone wasn't working. Um, I couldn't hear anybody, so that was going to limit my participation in the interview. Yeah, you so wouldn't be great anyway. Off to the side over there, and there was definitely a period where you two were talking you know, baseball stuff where I was yeah. thankful for that. I used to study all his material and everything, you know, mental, yeah. emotional, and nutrition, the whole thing. We did the whole thing, so... 
it was fun. Appreciate that. We'll like, we'll get him back on sometime. But it is cool, you know, going from working baseball mechanics to working with all these NFL QBs. So, um, great show. One of the best shows we've ever done. So, hope you all enjoyed it. We'll be back on Monday. We'll be talking AFC team needs, and we're gonna get we'll get Brad on next week talking about the top uh, yep. top contracts in free agency. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. See you Monday.